This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Craig Earlham from Oanda in the studio. Very good morning to you. Let's turn first to Iran, where we're seeing um, the market after that um, Christmas break reacting to uh, what's going on. Where are the changes? Where is the action happening? Yeah, I mean, it, the action's everywhere, to be quite honest. We are seeing it in the in, in the expected places, which is oil uh, oil prices spiking. Now, obviously, any kind of tensions, any the risk of conflict in the Middle East is always going to see a, a, a rise in oil prices. But I think this issue in particular is quite uh, quite uh, topical because we saw last year, for example, uh, in, in the Strait of Hormuz, we mentioned uh, on shows last year how much oil actually passes through this. I think it's around a third of uh, global oil supply actually passes through the Strait of Hormuz. So this is an incredibly important important uh, area uh, for the global economy, for the global oil supply. Um, and last year, we obviously saw the US sanctions on Iran, uh, which um, uh, which led to uh, risk of conflict here. Uh, and then we saw some ships which were being targeted in the area. And again, the US and others were pointing the finger at Iran, saying that they were effectively lashing out uh, as a result of uh, as a result of these sanctions. So naturally, when we do see uh, this kind of conflict now starting to escalate, and quite dramatically, uh, we should say, uh, now the risk is on oil prices again because if they do look to lash out again in that area of the world then we could all suffer. And when that happened last year we saw or indeed in recent years we saw um, US shale supply increasing to uh, compensate. Are we expecting that as well? Yeah you would expect to see that happen. We have to remember that US shale is still privately run so this isn't like a state actor where sure. you can uh, like Saudi, like, like in Saudi Arabia or, or, or others where you can just turn on the taps more in order to compensate and keep oil prices lower. You're expecting these private firms to actually uh, take advantage of higher oil prices and start pumping more because they are very, very efficient. So in the medium term, you would expect that to happen, but then you still don't know exactly how much this is going to escalate. Uh, and because of, like, say, the the, the geopolitics surrounding the, the positioning of Iran uh, and the importance of that region, it is naturally having quite a, an outsized impact at the moment. We haven't seen a retaliation yet, but should we see that, I would expect to see another spike in oil prices. But like I say, it's everywhere across the markets. You look at equity markets, uh, we've, we've got off to a rough uh, start to the week. Uh, we obviously saw on Friday as well, we saw equity uh, equities uh, uh, tumbling a little bit. We saw various stocks getting negatively impacted as well. The airlines getting disproportionately impacted because obviously they're very vulnerable to these uh, spikes in oil prices, uh, disproportionately so, like I say. But then there's obviously safe haven appeal as well in, in areas so the likes of gold, that traditional safe haven spiking uh, to around just below $1,600. I mean, this is quite 3 4% in gold. It's actually a, a very substantial move and you would expect that to uh, increase further again if we do see these uh, this things these things escalate and let's be honest the the rhetoric which we're getting from both sides uh, and others doesn't seem to suggest we're going to see a de-escalation anytime soon what about defense firms if we're talking equities is there a sense of gambling in the uh, the market that uh, there may be more spending on uh, defense from the u.s and other parts of the world yeah you, yeah, you would expect that to be the case. I mean, we've obviously already seen an increase in defence spending over in the US, for example, but where, if, you're going to see a, uh, if you're going to see an increase in tensions here and the risk of war, which is now far more real than it was uh, a month ago, um, then obviously these defence firms are obviously naturally going to uh, be backed. And obviously, you, like you said, we don't really know exactly how this is going to pan out. You'd hope that we that cooler heads are eventually going to prevail. And we've seen rhetoric before, fiery rhetoric from, all, from various sides, not just 
between the US and Iran, between the US and North Korea and others. We, we can't always buy into what President Trump is tweeting. He obviously wants to. Uh, he obviously wants to look like he's being firm and hard on these on these areas. Um, and we've got to hope that war won't happen. But obviously, the, when the risk of war, war rises, then obviously things like defence firms are obviously going to benefit. We now have a date for the uh, for this year's budget, March the 11th, um, a month and a half after the uh, date of leaving the European Union, but still in that transition period. The assumption is that we'll see plenty of spending in this budget, regardless of what is happening in the, uh, the economy, based on um, what we've seen from the election pledges of Boris Johnson. Um, I mean, where are you expecting money to be spent? And I suppose what impact does a, a budget like this have when so much uncertainty is around elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's really difficult, actually, to, to actually allocate the spending efficiently and, and keep all of your promises. We'll, we'll continue in this kind of Tory pledge where you're talking about tax cuts. It, it's really difficult. You don't want, they don't want to increase taxes. They want to be cutting taxes. But also, they have a lot of promises that they now need to deliver on. They need to convince these areas that voted Conservative for the first time in generations, if not ever, that they are committed to actually supporting these areas, these areas that have been more deprived over the course of the last decade. So that, 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 that includes a lot of infrastructure spending. Now they, are, they, are, they have agreed that they are going to loosen the purse strings and increase spending generally uh, which should obviously help uh, to support these pledges but like I said they, they, they've promised a lot so this budget is going to be really really interesting to see how they're actually going to pay for it and whether they're going to keep to these promises. Yesterday we saw the lowest car production figures for the UK since 2013 and this is um, after several years of uh, declining car production. Actually in terms of what we were talking about just there in terms of emissions and things this might be celebrated um, but if you're in the car manufacturing industry this is a time of real change. It's a time of huge change and it's also a time for understanding exactly why this is changing because it seems that a lot of ideas are being floated around about, about why people are, are, are registering less cars. But it, it, a lot of it's anecdotal as well because it's hard to know exactly, pinpoint exactly what the reason is. Is it because people can't afford them anymore that it's less affordable? Is it because people are cutting corn, are, are trying to penny pinch and decide where it is that they can afford to spend less money and you don't necessarily, unless you need to upgrade your car, then maybe you're not going to. Is it to do with the change? landscape with regards to uh, to cleaner cars, so to do with electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles. We've spoken sure, so on the show. Potentially people waiting for legislation to pass to find out what is happening in terms of cleaner cars, which way the technology will go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want to buy a brand new diesel car now to be to be told in two years' time that they, these are going to be phased out and they're effectively, you, you're going to either pay a higher tax to have them on the road or you're not going to be able to have them on the road. Entirely, all of a sudden, this investment has is, is been uh, squandered. So you want to know more about exactly what kind of investment you're making. And we've spoken before on the show as well about, yes, do you know every, I'm sure everyone would love a hybrid car or, or, or an electric vehicle at this point because you know it's future-proofed, you know it's clean, you know, you're doing your bit for the environment. There's only one problem. They cost a lot more than diesel cars or petrol cars. So you're still, we're still trying to bridge that divide. So while these issues are being sorted, it feels like there's a number of reasons why people are potentially just holding on to the cars they have for now and not and not moving forward. And of course, the Brexit uh, uncertainty is the other thing that's always uh, that's always uh, given as a reason why the, the car registrations are low, why car production is, is lower at this moment in time. Because until people have certainty about whether they're going to have a job how where that's going to be etc maybe they are going to hold off on these large purchases so then it's not just cars it's just anything that costs thousands of pounds
And it's interesting tying that in with uh, topics that were coming out over the beginning of this week about potential secular decline in the car industry, that it isn't just a UK issue, that it's worldwide, and that that is a reason to essentially let the car industry and those kind of manufacturing um, divisions go. Yeah, exactly, and and, and we, we've we've certainly seen that. We look at Germany. Germany, the German economy struggled, and part of it has been because they are a massive car manufacturer. Uh, we've seen in Italy as well the car manufacturing industry there has uh, has suffered over the last couple of years. And again, we, you can look for uh, numerous reasons uh, for that. One of which, of course, is a massive export market for these countries is China, uh, and we have seen um, we have seen changes in China, and we've seen a slowdown in the economy, and we've seen a, a changing consumer behavioural pattern there as well, which means that we've seen less uh, less less demand. For, uh, for for new cars and so that so we are seeing a global change. I do think the environment is driving a lot of this, and I do think the the, the change in in mentality in terms of the uh, in terms of the shift from diesel cars to more expensive models is having an impact. If we seen it, if we look at the mobile phone industry, I think there's another example when things become more expensive, you're going to upgrade less often because it's just the affordability factor is going to have this, and people are more environmentally conscious now than they perhaps were before. You look at the diesel emissions scandal; these these are things as well which I think have played a factor in people's mindsets mm. in, in, in terms of what car they want to invest in as well. Um, so I think there's a number of factors. It's hard to pinpoint it on just one. I think it's a, a multitude of factors which has created the perfect storm for the car industry. Craig Earlham, market analyst at Rwanda, thank you very much indeed for joining me. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.